I Am A Woman podcast. I am so excited to have an incredible guest, Landon Starbuck, with me today. Man, is she a warrior woman? And as we have just finished off this series, What is a Woman? I could not be more honored to have a woman who has been on the forefront, on the front lines of fighting for families and children. One of the things that I love about Landon and the I Am A Woman movement is that it's not female only. (laughs) It is actually men and women together. And so uh, Landon is the epitome of a woman who is truly, truly fighting for children. Wait until you hear uh, this incredible bio. Uh, Landon Starbuck is the founder of Freedom Forever, a nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting children from abuse, trafficking, and exploitation. We are on the same page there, Landon. Landon is a national speaker, activist, writer, and warrior for children, on, she's been on news outlets like Fox News, Brett Baird, The Federalist, Daily Wire, Post Millennial. Now she's a guest on the I Am A Woman podcast. I mean, helping us launch this as well, which is just so incredible. She left the music industry as a billboard charting singer and songwriter to use her voice to advocate for women and children who've experienced trafficking and exploitation. Over the years, she's lended her expertise to organizations and boards combating human trafficking and abuse of women and children. She's a partner with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation and a member of the Coalition to End Sexual Exploitation. In 2021, Landon directed the largest coalition and demonstration at our southern border, exposing the human trafficking crisis and abuse of children. I can't wait to hear more about that. In 2022, Landon was invited to give a TEDx talk at the historic Franklin Theater. And months after received a standing ovation, she was told her talk, Stopping the Epidemic of Child Trafficking and Exploitation, was banned by TEDx for supposedly violating their content guidelines, yet they failed to cite any part of that talk that violated the guidelines. I listened to the talk, by the way. I don't understand how they could possibly have canceled that talk. Uh, Child protection advocates were quick to condemn TEDx for banning Landon's groundbreaking talk, exposing the epidemic of child trafficking and exploitation in America. And Landon's talk is still viewable at her private link on her website, landonstarbuck.com. Recently, Landon has been one of the leading voices combating child mutilation and the harms of radical gender ideology. I want to talk about that too today. Matt Walsh and the Daily Wire have invited her to join forces where she spoke to the rally to end child mutilation at the Tennessee Capitol, where she spoke and emceed the event with thousands in attendance. Landon is passionate about her advocacy work, but her greatest achievement is being a wife to her husband, Robbie, and mother to her three miracle children on their homestead in Franklin, Tennessee. Landon, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. It's, it's my honor to be here with you. So, Landon, first, I want to talk about your story. You and I have something in common. We both worked as young women in the entertainment industry. What led you to leave that industry? Well, I think it took me a long time to realize that the industry 
thrives off of exploitation of all kinds, um, definitely of women, uh, children that are groomed at very young ages uh, into becoming Disney stars or Nickelodeon stars. Um, there's a lot of open pedophilia that happens. And I think that now we're all waking up to you know, hearing all of these stories and seeing it so blatantly in our faces. Now we're starting to realize what has happened in this industry. But this went back to the days of Shirley Temple. And even I, as a young woman coming into the industry, not knowing anyone, trying to make my way, and also coming from a broken family where I didn't know those signs, I didn't know what trafficking was, what grooming was, or any of these things, I just had to make my own way and figure it out myself. So there's a period of gaslighting that went on, of, of, of questioning myself, my integrity, my values, and really examining was it worth it to stay in this industry, knowing what I knew, seeing what I saw, was it worth it to me? And I had that battle and I realized I could no longer take part in this industry, in this exploitation and just not say anything or look the other way. Um, so I made the decision to leave. So I I saw the same thing. I experienced the same thing uh, as a young model uh, growing up in the modeling industry at a very young age in Hollywood and then overworking in Europe. Can you give our listeners sort of a practical view of what you're talking about. What did you see? Take, for example, one girl. <laughs> sure. So there is so many different um, situations. So one situation would be, um, you know, I had a manager who asked me to star in a music video for this well-known boy band. And it was kind of a quid pro quo deal. Hey, you got, we want a young woman that's budding star to be in this video to help promote them. And then, you know, you'll get this tour. And so I said, okay, that didn't really compromise my values. Uh, it's just a, a favor to go and, you know, be an actor in this, this role. And I had grown up acting. Um, so I did it and I showed up and there was a uh, rack in the, um, uh, what's it called? The wardrobe department. And there was just like a series of, you know, lingerie thongs, things of that nature. And I looked at it and I made a joke. I said, hey, where are the pants? Where is this is this can't be the outfit you're talking about. And there was no mention of, you know, what that would entail if, if I was the love interest at what I was going to be expected to do. And so I said, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm an artist. I'm not, you know, a lingerie model. And I, I'm just not comfortable with this. So I was asked to leave. Mm -hmm. And. Shortly thereafter, I was dropped by my management. I was labeled difficult to work with. It took me a lot of time to find a new manager, find new um, uh, team. Uh, my agent, my agency ended up uh, dropping me as well. But it was a series of, of situations like that. And to give you another example, I was up for a very big tour with a very well-known artist, something that would have no doubt taken my career from charting a billboard to top of the charts, um, mass exposure. And they uh, had parties and they expected you to go to be a part of this. And I said, you know, I just don't see a reason I need to go to these parties. I, I just want to be at home and work on my craft and I will show up to work, but I just don't want to go to the parties. Again, the same thing happened. And not only that, but another female that I knew went to the parties, did all the things and that, and I got to watch, I got to sit back and watch as that young woman had her career elevated and now she's a mega superstar. So eventually, you know, you think that after those two experiences, I would have woken up, but sadly, I just still thought I wasn't enough. Thought, oh man, if I was good enough as an artist, if I was pretty enough, whatever the enough is, I could have just done it without having to compromise my integrity. I just have to work harder. And so I just kept working harder and harder until I worked myself 
almost to de deep depression and, and death of there was nothing left of me to work. And my entire worth and, val and validity was in how hard I worked and how good I thought I was. But the measure was always coming from man, from that exploitive entertainment industry that doesn't actually measure you by how talented you are. And there are so many, I know we all know so many incredibly talented people where we go, man, why didn't they make it? And then meanwhile, we see all these other celebrities that are not very talented and we go, but they made it, you know, it doesn't make sense, right? So eventually, you know, I had this, this incredible, you know, encounter with God uh, at the just pit of my despair and depression, where he pulled me up from that and, and made me see my worth was not in what entertainment I could provide to man, but in how obedient I was to him and this beautiful destiny that I didn't even know about that he had for me. And so I made that decision to trust him and I had no idea what he had for me. And it was very painful, very difficult transition. Um, but I'm so glad that I listened. That was the best decision I made um, second to uh, meeting my husband and, and saying yes to marrying him. Wow. Oh my goodness. Your, your story and my story is so similar. I, I, I just, I literally cannot even believe it. I had the same experience where God, God intersected my path. And it's just amazing what can happen when a woman learns her worth. And when you, you, when you're seeking all of that affirmation from the industry, which is exactly, exactly what I did, you don't want to see it. And you do have repeated behaviors in which you're allowing yourself to be devalued or you're watching other people be devalued and you know it's wrong and you know it's not healthy, but the glamour and the image of it is so incredibly tempting. So you, you walked away Okay. As I did, how did you get into the field of human trafficking? And yeah, tell us about that journey. Sure. Well, I should say before I officially left the industry as an artist, I thought that somehow it would be better if I just wrote for other artists, then I myself wouldn't be in those, those situations, but I could just write for other artists and make a living that way. Um, so I did that and I ended up, you know, signing NDAs, working with Disney stars and Nickelodeon stars. And it was way worse because these were children. These were young children. And um, I saw a lot of very inappropriate things that I didn't recognize as grooming. I didn't see, I just thought, man, I wouldn't do that. That's morally inappropriate. Um, but I didn't recognize them as signs that I would now recognize as grooming signs as somebody potentially being exploited or trafficked. Um, you know, so parent, to give a, a, an example, parents would just drop off their children, young girls, young boys with these producers that are in their mid forties. Um, there would be drugs present. There would be um, just inappropriate sexual com comments made. Um, other young men brought into the studio. There was just a lot of inappropriate stuff um, that happened that I, you know, can put the pieces together now and say, you know, there's things happening that I didn't know at the time, or I, you know, I wish I could have intervened, but I didn't even recognize the signs myself. So um, recognizing that there, the child trafficking, child exploitation is a very real issue now, that prompted me to dig deeper because I thought it was just in the entertainment industry. I thought if I left the entertainment industry, if I stopped being a songwriter for these Disney stars, it would all go away. And I knew it existed in other parts of the world, but I had no idea that the demand is so great in America and that it's our neighbors, our pastors, our you know friends, our, our fathers that are embedded in this demand for exploit exploitation of children. The pedophilia has become so prevalent. And so I started 
becoming trauma-informed, organizing um, different uh, ag- advocacy projects, working in different capacities with different organizations to learn this, this industry in and out, to understand the demand, to understand the supply, to understand the trauma. Um, and I think that that was the training that God really wanted me to have to equip me to do the work that I do now. It allowed me to have a bird's eye view of the entire problem. Um, what doesn't fix it, you know, throwing money, rescuing children, you know, rescuing children is a wonderful thing, but it doesn't solve the problem. We can rescue children all day, but there's a steady supply of children that are being exploited because our culture facilitates this demand, our very own parenting facilitates this demand. So how do we get to the demand? That is what my work is. And so that's why I started Freedom Forever, my nonprofit combating this demand from a prevention, education and activism standpoint to to really make a difference. Wow, that is that is incredible. You know, when you talk about the Disney stars, I went to Disney Studios so many times as as a young model. Um, and I look back and I go, wow, I didn't get any of those jobs. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, but I saw exactly. And it's amazing if you've been in it. It's so easy to see. I I just recently heard um, just a prominent Christian speaker finally coming out and saying she was finally able to see the messages that Beyonce was sending to girls. And I'm like, wow, you have been in ministry as a Christian, as a believer, as a preacher for so many years. And you're just seeing what I was able to see way back then. Um, why don't people see it? People do people. I mean, I feel like people don't even want to really believe that Disney is exploiting Mm -hmm. children because if they did, they would, they would have Mm -hmm. to stop buying their products. They would have to stop dressing (laughs) their children up in their costumes. What is it? What is it? That's exactly it. Blinded from this. And I think, is it Christ? Is it, what do you think it is? (laughs) I mean, you just said it. When you have to acknowledge that this is a problem, that it's wrong, then you are also have to act and take responsibility for your choices in a way that is uncomfortable and inconvenient and ostracizing. Mm-hmm. So when you know, you know, what this industry is, you pull the plug. You don't like, for instance, I don't want my children indoctrinated into this celebrity idol culture of just thinking that, you know, what they do on a stage is is so important, worthy of them to idolize them in any way. If it's not something somebody's doing with their character to honor and glorify God, I don't have them as an idol in my home. We don't have it on the phones. We don't have it on our, um, you know, devices. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we, we watch, you know, we'll watch YouTube family, uh, YouTube videos as a family, you know, of sell, you know, somebody's performance or something like that of music but we're not going to, um, you know, fund people like Billie Eilish, the people that are truly perpetuating this sexual demand culture. Um, so we just find different ways to, you know, celebrate different art forms and film that is not uh, in diametrically opposed to our values and to God. So let's take Billie Eilish, for example. You mm-hmm. you brought her up. Um, I, I know people sending their kids to those concerts. Um, I, I personally wouldn't do that, but how is that a part of the grooming process? Like talk, let's talk about grooming, but I also want to take something practical, like 
Billie Eilish, because I think that a lot of parents have absolutely no idea the type of indoctrination these celebrities are subjecting their children to. And, you know, I've studied personally, I've studied brainwashing extensively. And so to me, it just looks like you're sending your kid into a, into a place where they're literally going to be brainwashed. But so many parents, good people don't understand that Landon, how, how does this grooming process work and how does the entertainment industry and the music industry and social media and all of that, how does that participate in the grooming of our children? Because some people might say, well, I don't have my child in the entertainment industry, but your child has an iPhone. Yes, absolutely. Well, something important to understand is that the majority, especially young girls in this entertainment industry have a a background of abuse. And as we always find out when they grow up, they come out and they talk about their rape or their childhood sexual abuse, their exploitation. Um, And Billie Eilish was no different. She talked about her early porn use and addiction to pornography that put her in exploitive and abusive relationships with men who are older. And so um, how did she get here? She got there by being exposed to music influences people that groomed her into becoming this figure. And these figures are, you know, something interesting happens with with film, with art forms, with music, is that our brain uh, becomes highly suggestible and even more sponge-like than children's brains are in just their natural state. And so they are tapping into a frequency of high suggestibility. And what ideas are being sent? Are they ideas that glorify God, that support our values, that celebrate things like love and kindness and um, the beauty of, of, of godly values in our life? No, the values that are being channeled into our children and programmed in their mind and associated with a feel good feeling, a sense of belonging, of being cool, um, of vibrating with that, that celebrity figure and attaching themselves because they follow these figures forever. There's a reason why women our age, Jennifer, you know, still like that one celebrity that we identified with. We may, we form attachments to these people because we are, we are connected to them and we share memories with them because when we're listening to a song, we form connections and memories because it, 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 pull something in our own lives. Like, oh, I remember that song when I broke up, when I had my heart broken, when this happened. And you have an emotional attachment, a memory that is tattooed in your brain. So the attachment is so very strong, which is why we have adults that are still just so mindlessly addicted to this Hollywood, this entertainment culture. So for a child, when they're hearing Billie Eilish, for example, talking about, you know, I'm a bad girl, you know, do what you want to me. And and a, a music video where she's on all four wearing dominatrix gear in a sexual type of setting. What connections are our children forming to that? You know, this is really dangerous. And if people mm. have to really understand How is that different? It's like there's this world of, you know, virtual entertainment. And then if we had a friend of our child or an adult that said, hey, I want I want to expose your child to what is in that Billie Eilish video, we would call the police. We would rip our children away from that person, that influence so quickly our heads would spin. Right. But when it's in the entertainment world where we we make this justification, it's not real. But children don't know what's real because they don't know who they are yet. And it is our job until they know who they are, until we've laid that foundation 
to not put them in harm's way, to not send them into the wilderness where there's wolves and all that, when they can't even learn how to make a fire and protect themselves. It's the same concept. So it's breaking through these paradigms, shattering these illusions little by little. And when we really understand, we can do better as parents. So good. So good. It just, it makes me think of the Romans verse where it talks about fixing your eyes on images of man. And what happens to a culture when you fix your eyes on images of man, and when you fix your eyes on images of man, your heart becomes decrepit. And we wonder, you know, this recent study that came out from the CDC, if we trust anything they say, uh, at least it sounds like they're actually maybe being honest about the impact of the lockdowns and social media and this culture uh, on young women that it just came out that three out of five uh, teenage girls in 2021 seriously considered killing themselves. Okay, so... From a practical standpoint, you're a parent, your kid follows these figures. What is, what is your advice to them? Um, As a parent to really do an inventory of our lives and examine every facet of our lives and say, you know, what needs to stay, what needs to go. And, and it's important too, when we're taking things out of our children's lives, that we do it with love, understanding, and we replace it with something better. Because if you've ever been on a diet or anything like that, you can't just say, don't eat the donut, don't eat the donut. You're going to think about the donut all the time. We have to do something um, that is giving our children back a childhood. So when we take away the phone and say, hey, I made a mistake here and I'm doing this out of love to protect you because I want to show you these studies. I want to show you uh, the the amazing documentary Childhood 2.0. I want to watch it with you. I want you to see the effects that this has had on this generation. I love you too much to continue allowing this. I didn't know that these effects were present, but now that I do, I cannot give this to you because I love you too much. But you know what? I want you to find something that we could do together or that you want to do that you've never done before. Maybe it's learning how to um, you know, motocross or something really fun like that. And and I'm going to support you in that. And we're going to get into it and maybe we'll buy a motorbike, you know, something that is exciting. This is what I did with my daughter because we were at a school before where every other kid had social media and she felt left out. And, you know, I was so close to just saying, okay, I'll just give it to her because that would be easy. That would make it easier for her socially. But then I realized I had to check in my spirit that this is why we're here is because everyone is so weak and 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 how quickly we capitulate to the norm of society. And if the norm of society becomes even more evil and that Overton window shifts even more and says, hey, well, you know, girls can start having sex younger. It's just expression. Girls can change their ident- identity and their gender. If we just keep going along, what's the point of having biblical values? What's the point of having any values for that matter? If, if mm-hmm. moral relativism just takes hold in our lives and we will capitulate on anything just to make our kid feel good, that is a that's a doctrine of feelings of we care more about our kids liking us and how they feel in the moment than what is right for them, their identity, their souls. Um, and they're, 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 you know, just, oh, we're supposed to train them up the way they're supposed to go. And we have to see long-term, you know, kids can't see short-term. They just see what feels good now. And if we train them up to say, we will, you know, surround your life with everything that makes you feel good, then we are setting them up for a lifetime of hurt, pain, and danger um, to their own mental health, to, to every aspect of their identity. 
That is, that's so well said. And I love your, your suggestion too, about a prep, like an exchange. Cause I think that's the hardest part for a parent is when you see that this group or this device or this app or whatever it is, is become so much a part of their lives. You're like to pull them a part of that. I mean, I remember when we put uh, our daughter in a Christian school, she's in college now. And so the kids are older to have figured out how to manage social media and all of that on their own. And it's still very, very difficult. But we in high school, we put her in a Christian school and we're like, okay, we're not going to have to do all that. The only way the cheerleading team was communicating was through Snapchat. It was the very thing I didn't want to do, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it was, I definitely, I caved. I was like, well, I guess she can't make friends. Sorry. We, we can't make friends there. We can't, um, communicate with our team there. And so I love, I love how matter of fact you are about it. I love how strong and secure you are and what you're saying, because what you're saying is so, is so right. And these girls are struggling. They are in worse shape mentally than they have ever been in the history mm-hmm. of the United States. What do you think is behind that? And then we're going to close because I'm super excited to have you back on the show next week where we're going to talk very specifically on how child trafficking, especially in the United States, but around the world actually works. But Before we do that, I want to close with this. You know, the name of our podcast is is uh, I am a woman. And the question of the hour is, what is a woman? Everyone is asking that question. What do you believe is the call of women right now? What is the call of mothers, of wives, of Christian women? And what is our role in this conversation globally right now? Absolutely. I think as women, we are being called to adopt a warrior mentality. Every single woman, whether we feel like warriors or not, are being called to be warriors for truth, uh, warriors for the kingdom of God, for those of us who are believers. Um, And that requires a deprogramming, a detachment, a deconditioning of the old, of the worldly ways. And as I was talking before, you know, I had this image of like, it's like we're stuck in the sticky web and we would much prefer just to take off a a few pieces of that sticky web and be like, okay, I just won't do the social media. I won't do the Disney, but we don't realize like we have these giant, you know, um, claws in us. It's not just little sticky web. We have to authoritatively remove those claws from us and say, I want no part, not make concessions with the enemy, not make concessions and compromises with lies, but all of it. And that is a radical warrior mindset to take. But that is exactly what we are called to do as believers. We have been told that when we partner with Christ, when we partner with the ways of God, we will be have enemies. So I think that's a measure of how we're walking. If we don't have enemies, if we're not, you know, making the devil angry on a daily basis, how, how truthfully, how boldly are we living as women? God called us to this unique role as women to step up and to be the ultimate protector of our children, especially when the men are not around or they're working. We are the ultimate protectors. We make most of these fundamental decisions about the environments that we entrust to leave our children in, whether it's with a babysitter, whether it's at school, whether it's with other friends who might have access to social media. We have to be mindful of all of it. It's not just removing a few pieces of sticky web and just saying, okay, I've done my part. 
This is a transformational time, a beautiful, exciting, amazing time where we have choices. This is not, we don't have to be victims to this oppressive, evil uh, master plan, if you will, to take over our children, to replace our parental rights, to turn them into, um, you know, activists, this radical activism for whatever you want to call it, evil, the state, um, Marxism. It's just evil. And so it is our privilege to become warriors for our children. And that starts with accepting that role as women. I love it. I'm a woman and I am a warrior. I want you guys to really hear what Landon is saying. If you listen to my last season where we answer the question, what is a woman? From Genesis 1, the Azer Konegdo, which is the first name that God gave women, that word Azer means warrior. It means someone who will rise to the call, protect men, protect marriage, and protect children at all costs. And you are so right, Landon. <laughs> We're going to have enemies. But I love your fearlessness and I love your faith. I am so grateful that you came on the show today. I know that you have challenged every single woman and man who is listening to this. How can my listeners find you? Thank you so much. Um, so you can find me at Landon Starbuck on social media, on my website. Um, but my nonprofit, which every day we go to battle for children is freedomforever.us. And we're a volunteer run organization. I don't take a salary. Nobody does. Um, it's just other warriors that care about this issue, lending their gifts, um, their, their donations so that we can do great work together. So please uh, consider supporting us. And um, yes, I hope to connect with all of you guys on social media as well. Absolutely. And I just want to tell everybody out there, if you follow Landon Starbuck on social media, she is going to rock your world. She's going, you're not going to be looking at pretty pictures of uh, <laughs> great recipes and cute design anymore. You are actually <laughs> going... <laughs> You can do both, I guess, because, you know, we all want to find recipes and design ideas. But and she she's got great, great taste, let me tell you. But when you follow Landon on social media, you are going to see an example of what it truly means to, to be a warrior. And that's why I want to challenge you and encourage you to go to Landon Starbuck right now. Go to Instagram, follow her, follow her ministry, Freedom Forever, support her ministry, because it's going to take every single one, one of us using our gifts and talents to push back the darkness. And that is exactly what she's doing. I'm so proud of you, Landon. I'm so grateful to have you in my world and that you are a guest today. Everybody, I want you to stay tuned for next week because Landon is going to be coming back on the show and she's going to be explaining to us exactly how this engine of child trafficking and human trafficking works in this nation so that we can be aware of it and do our part to put a stop to it. Thanks so much, Landon.